Hello, everyone. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love, and I'm I'm guess you guys are wondering, what is this? This is Thursday. Yeah, we're here on Thursday. Um, tomorrow, we're getting prepared for the summit that's on Saturday. So we wanted to come in early to have this conversation and talk about what's going to happen on Saturday. And we also have a special guest, and we're going to talk about a wrongful conviction story. But uh, just thank you for joining us. But like I said, I'm Jay Love. I'm your host. I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. And Gerard is my son who was wrongfully convicted of a crime he didn't do, had no knowledge of, nothing, innocent, and still ended up in prison. And that's the reason why we come on here to talk about uh, wrongful convictions and injustice, because these things can happen to anyone. There is no nothing uh, characteristics or anything that will make anybody specially selected to be wrongfully can, um, convicted. It just can happen to anyone. So we come here to have these conversations, to educate and to empower and to also have you to, you know, join us and um, take action and however you feel that um, you can show up for your loved ones and others in the community. So thank you for joining us. So like as um, usual, as we do normally on Fridays, but today on Thursday, I'm going to bring in the panel. They're going to introduce themselves and then we're going to just have this conversation. So thank you. And I see already Remiti is here. Hi, Remiti. Yeah. Hello. How are how are you today? I'm so glad to be here. I uh, I was rushing trying to get back, and um, I'm so glad just to make it. I'm glad you're here too, Remiti. <laughs> yeah, I am so excited. Uh, you know, I wanted to um, just commend you, Jay, on on the work that you do. Um, and that you've been doing for now, what, three years now, and how empowering it is to the community and to myself. Uh, I am the founder and of, of the Choice Zone, where I have been providing life coaching skills to people individually and some collective groups uh, so that people can get in their zone. It's good to be in your zone. Your zone is not just on a basketball court. And I know how that is because I used to play. And once you had your, your shot going real good, then you were in your zone. And if you were a great rebounder, once you got so many rebounds, you were in your zone. Well, we need to rebound. We need to rebound in our community. And that's going to take us reimagining what life can look like for us, not making it and comparing it to other people. So I really look at collectively and individually, what's your purpose? Um, what are you doing? And uh, also sitting on, not just sitting on boards, but uh, active boards. 
who are out in the community, Michigan Coalition of Human Rights being one of them, and making sure that we continue to educate, elevate, and encourage people to walk in their power. And thank you, Jay, because that's what we're doing here at the Justice for Gerard movement, turning a moment into a movement. And I'm telling you, I've learned so much just by your leadership. And I want to say thank you again. Thank you, Reverend Tia. Tia, before I let you go, because you don't mention it, but you, you're doing something else with um, this other group, G100. I am. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> which, hey, which I do have another meeting this, <laughs> this evening. G100, I'm so glad that you brought that up because um, it's a global, global networking and it's global networking to empower women economically, but socially, so many different ways to empower women and to get us because women are key to the families. Mm -hmm. And um, so I am the, the chair for Michigan. And uh, you know what? I will make sure that you have the information so that anybody who's in Michigan, if they want to become a part of, of it, it's free. Mm -hmm. It's free. We want to support what you do in the community for women. We want to support your vision because we are here to lift one another up. Thank you so much, Jay. Yes, G100. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, you, which you were part of, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, put the, I'll give you the link and have you share it so okay. that people do want to become a part, um, men and women. Right. Okay. Even though it's, it's to empower women, it's for men who understand the necessity for women to be in power. Yes. Thank you, Ravatia. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I see Attorney Hugo Mac. Hold on. Yeah. Hey. Much love, everybody. Okay. Well, as always, can y'all hear me? Oh, yeah. no, no feedback, no rumbling, J Love. Are we good? Attorney, Attorney Mac. Mac. There is feedback, but go ahead. I, I still don't understand. I still don't understand. <laughs> I'm gonna just turn my mic off while you talk. I'm I'm sorry. No problem. I thought I'd had this problem solved. Now, see, I don't want to think it's a sexist thing because I'm the only man on here, and I'm 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 bold every time I come on. <laughs> Look, I'm tired of paying these white people all this money. Look at this system. I don't know why it's doing that. I don't know why. It's the government. But look. First of all, so glad to be here. And Reverend Tia, keep on making me love you here. Keep on making me love you. So, <laughs> but you know, J Love, I'm I'm honored to be here. Uh, you know, when I hear people talk about empowering women, you know, it really is something because the women that need to be empowered the most are the women that are seen the least, okay? And in my decades of practicing law, unquestionably, the women that are seen the least are women of color. 
and more specifically black women. You know, J-Love, there are battles and there are wars, but you know, sometimes a battle and a war come down to one case. And I remember in my career as a public defender over 800 times, 800 times, standing with women at sentencings, the vast majority of them black women, fighting to maintain their dignity, women who had been the victims of physical uh, domestic abuse, uh, sexual assault, that aided and abetted in them being where they were in front of that judge. And you know, when you stand so close to a person, you know, you can feel their pulse, you know, their clothes to your clothes, that is sharing an experience with them. So anytime I have an opportunity to support the humanization of women, and the black woman has by far been the most victimized citizen in the United States, uh, followed closely by the black man, that it's a situation where we cannot stop and look at the big picture only, but those women that perpetually fall through the cracks, okay? You know, they have liberals, uh, a lot of our Caucasian brothers and sisters who, and a, lot, a bunch of black people too, by the way, who view themselves as the leaders, the avant-garde and the forefront of quote unquote protecting women, you know? People build entire careers on that and that's good. But what about the women that don't make the headlines? What about the women who don't have a place for their kids who fallen through the safety net? What about those women, you know? And I'm proud to say, I'm proud to say, a good portion of my practice is representing those women pro bono because they simply don't have the money. They don't have the money. Education, you know, housing for their kids. So when I look at the plight of women, and particularly black women, and when I look at wrongful conviction, all of this is tied together. It's not just wrongful conviction, it's over-conviction that we have a problem with, okay? Over-conviction. So, you know, I'm so happy to be here tonight. I'm looking forward to taking part in the summit. And now it's time for my shameless plug. Listen here, all of you black people, all you people of color, all you poor disadvantaged, all you whites, I'm talking to you too, talking to you too, Latins, Asians, Hispanic, Filipino, all races and genders, listen up silence. You're about to hear an announcement from Dr. Hugo J. Mack Esquire, the true king of Russia, Scotland, and Harlem. So I want you to understand, when you drive in your car and you on Bogue Street, when you on tow and go, push, drag, or steal that hoopity to Mack Street. Park your car in my parking lot and run into my office with all deliberate speed. Because when you in trouble, hmaclaw.com is your hookup. hmaclaw.com is your hookup. hmaclaw.com is your hookup, and I love you. Thank you, Tony Hugo Mike. All right. Now I'm gonna mute your mic. Okay, thank you, please. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next. I don't see uh, the Trisha up yet, but I see she's here. I'm just waiting for her. Oh, hold on, you guys. Here she go. <laughs> Turn your mic on, Trisha. I'm so silly. <laughs> How y'all doing tonight? Hey. 
on a Thursday. I know, right? On a Thursday. And, you know, you know y'all got to forgive me. I got a little child over here. I got me a little puppy, y'all. And so, you know, it's just taking all my energy. I'm good and tired, but I'm still happy to be here with you on tonight. Uh, Jay, thank you again for the platform. Always, you know, pushing, you know, this. I don't even want to call it a topic. This atrocity uh, of wrongful convictions that continue to happen over and over again. And I don't know about anybody else. I'm sick of this shit. Okay. And I'm trying to stop cussing. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord. I'm the little cussing preacher. Okay. But I'm tired of it. Okay. Um, all of the injustice just over and over again. And so many people that want us to be silent and kiss up to the oppressor. And that's just not happening. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, we have a duty to stand against the injustices that continue to happen. And if we are not doing that, if you, and I don't know who you are that I'm pointing at right there in www.www.land, you're part of the problem. You know, and it's but it's okay because we all have been a part of the problem at one point, time or another. But nowadays, we don't need you to be a part of the problem. We need you to come and be a part of the solution. And tonight mm -hmm. we're going to talk about how you can do that. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Not thrilled about what we're going to talk about, but I'm thrilled to be here because I always love to be around my family because I love you all so much. Yes. Thank you, Trisha. Well, Trisha, while you got while we got you here, might as well go on into the summit. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> hold on for a second. Oh my God. All right, y'all. Well, there you have it. It is the 2022 wrongful conviction, annual wrongful conviction summit uh, for Survivor Speak along with so many other partners, Justice for Gerard Movement, Proving Innocence, Silent Cry, Ambassadors Group, Organization of Exonerees. I'm probably forgetting somebody. Washtenaw Community College is actually sponsored by Washtenaw Community College, um, the Prosecutor's Office in Washtenaw County, and the United Way of Washtenaw County. So we are thankful for the institutions that are stepping up and realizing that justice is very important. But all roads are going to lead to Washtenaw Community College. That's 4800 East Huron River Drive, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48105. In their Morris Lawrence building, we will be there for the third annual summit, and we need you to be there too. See, this summit is a little different because in times past, you know, you come on out, you have a seat, you listen to the speakers and you go home feeling revived. But can you say we are centering community voices this time? I'm, I'm going to be like uh, the attorney back now. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> we are centering community voices. And what that means is we have five panels. After each panel, there will be what's called a community table talk back. So at your tables, you will begin to network and talk to people, trade numbers, trade ideals. Because I'm going to tell you something, we're going to find a way to come together. Now, everybody ain't going to come. But those of us that will, we getting ready to get some stuff done. So we're going to take those responses from the surveys and build and try to build around the work. Find the commonalities of the work so that we can end these atrocities that happen to us through wrongful conviction. And one of the topic of this um, summit is operational accountability. Yeah. 
So, and we, you know, we see people come home and we see, and which is wonderful. We welcome it. We want more people to come home. Yeah, please. We want to see accountability. That's and right. that's, that's the theme of this summit. So, and Trisha, if you want to go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was my, I got my other child over here making faces at me. <laughs> <laughs> so much going on over here. But yeah, um, the thing about it is this. Um, we say this every week, so it's nothing new. Nobody's coming to save us. Mm-hmm. You know how they say in church, turn to your neighbor. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and tell them ain't nobody coming to save us. Mm-hmm. Nobody is. And, you know, we come into these situations and I think us coming together, you know, it does offer some empowerment and you feel ignited and you feel, you know, um, you know, encouraged to move forward. Um, but we're looking for something a little different this time. You know, this is 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 more of a call to action, mm-hmm. um, a call to action, not just for those who are suffering with the injustice of wrongful conviction. See, see, this is the thing that, that we need everybody to realize. Wrongful convictions are everybody's business. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. everybody's business. Now, it might not be on your radar right now, but God forbid, I hope that God don't put it on your radar and that you have to go through it because you're suffering through it. Why not just join forces now? Because we need to do things like end immunity hold our police accountable, hold our prosecutors accountable. Look, it ain't called Operation Accountability for nothing. Mm-hmm. It ain't about a bunch of fluff. It's about justice. And we respect and we love, but when you love people, you tell them the truth. And it's time to hold people accountable. And that's that's what we're doing. So Absolutely. we're asking everybody to come out. Starts at 12 p.m., goes to 4 p.m. Um, we had the uh, Washington County Prosecutor's Office that's sponsoring a light lunch for us, some Jimmy John's. Um, so we'll have a little light lunch. Um, and we're just going to walk through this day together, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, table to table, and uh, put our heads together and see what we can come up with for justice. Yeah, so we, the word justice, call to action. So to speaking of that, I have received an inbox today Ugh. from... Um, Yolanda Nelson, and she asked, you know, about, you know, she was uh, her brother who had been in prison for 31 years on a run for conviction. And we're going to talk about this story. I'm going to bring her on. Hi, Yolanda. Hi. How are you? I'm doing okay. So I was just beginning to talk about your story, um, but I'm going to let you tell your story because when I don't even think we got into the full scale, scale of the story. And I'm like, what you doing today at six o'clock? <laughs> because it's the reason your stories and, and stories like yours and Gerard's and so many others is the reason why we come here. Like we're dedicated to this, to educating and having these conversations because we can't change if we can't even have the conversation. So I'm, I'm going to allow you to tell the story. And because um, I don't think I haven't even spoken to Attorney Mac or Remitia even about this. So, okay. Well, I have a brother that was convicted in October the 12th, 1993. My brother was, he's diagnosed with Marley retardation. His IQ was a 55. And um, 
it was a murder that went, took place in our neighborhood. And um, and it was a bunch of crackheads in the house. My brother was not using drugs. And um, and when the murder took place, everybody that was in the house was all crackheads. And my brother lived it on the east side, was taking care of his daughter. I don't even know how to even explain it. It's just, I don't know how to go with it. Mm-hmm. You're doing good. Like, um, he was living on the east side. Like I said, he had a daughter. He was taking okay. care of his wife was at work or whatever. But um, the police end up picking him up a month later. Now, I remind you, the lady that was in the house, the crackhead that was in the house, she's been around our family for 25, 30 years. So she know everybody in the family. So when this murder took place, they never said that my brother did anything. My brother, they said the house was under surveillance anyway. The apartment was under surveillance. Um, it's just that my brother couldn't read or write. They wouldn't let us talk to him. It was after 72 hours. And we was like, you know, my brother can't read or write. It was like he's being investigated. So we was like, okay, well, it's it's been long enough, you know, if you haven't came up with nothing right now. So next thing you know, they said, well, we got a conviction. Well, we got a um a, um a, um a statement from your brother saying that he um did it. And I'm like, my brother can't even read or write. When he went in, he didn't even know how to spell my mom's name. You know, he was 23. And everybody, you know, the 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 um they had his description. My brother was six one, maybe 120, 25 pounds, soaking wet. They said the guy that came in was five five, two hundred and sixty pounds, dark complexion. My brother light skinned it. You know, it's just that his everything was just all messed up. And so the um Sergeant Kenny. Now that she works with the integrity um, unit now, she's the one that made the whole statement. And I was like, well, we was like, well, why you just didn't give him, uh, like, you know, do a video record on him by you knowing that he was, he had an IQ of a 55, you know, 55%. And she was like, well, we don't, I don't use that. But she said, but he, he, he said he did all this, but I'm like, if you can't read and write, how could you say that? So when my brother did call me, he was like, he was like, they said that um, I signed a confession saying that I, um, he said, I signed the papers. They said I was going to go home. He, he signed the paper. And when he signed the paper, they said that he was under arrest. So when he called me, he's saying that they're trying to say that I killed Billy Booker. And I'm like, what? He was like, yeah, they said I signed a paper, but they told me the paper that I was signing saying that I was being released. And that ain't what happened. So we could not see him, hear from him, um, talk with him or anything. And next thing I know is he was being in there. He'd been in there ever since. He had a court appointed lawyer. Um, even though we had evidence in a court saying that, you know, he was Molly retardation, all his school records and everything. Um, she said that she thought he was just faking. She did. I said, but you can't do that because you are a detective. You're not a psychologist. You know what I'm saying? So you cannot prove or say what you think is he guilty or not. You know what I'm saying? So she made all this up and he's there. Wow. So who wrote the confession? Sergeant Kitty. And now Sergeant Kenny, now as of um, two years ago, um, the integrity unit 
I sent his paperwork to integrity unit to try to get him for the wrongfully conviction thing. And they sent back and said, no news is good news. Now, I just got the information that Sergeant Kenny is working in the integrity unit with this. And we have not, every time I call, I cannot hear. I don't, I can't, they won't never tell me nothing. They was like, we just got his case. His case is still in line. Now, it's going on three years now. So I'm like, is y'all going to release his case? Are y'all going to help him out? I mean, I don't understand why is it so long, you know. Attorney Matt, is that a conflict of interest on that? Can you hear oh, me? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, when you say that the detective is working, I take it you're talking about the Wayne County prosecutor? Yes. Yes. Okay, you know, so it, it, that certainly seems to be a conflict to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but see, I I really don't know much about that Wayne County conviction integrity unit to be quite quite candid with you. I mean, I've heard some frankly shady things yeah. to say that. Yeah. Um, um, about that, but that is definitely something. I if it was me, I'd write to the prosecutor herself in a situation like that, because. The only the only relief you're going to get is going to be up the line. I doubt you're going to get it from the unit itself. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Uh, no. I have all I his have all his but his even like even like his whole case has absolutely absolute nothing to do with him. All it is is the saying that his name his name, and that's it. First of all, when they came to my granny's house looking for him, they asked for Andre Tillman. His name is Andre Nelson. They was looking for somebody five five. You know, it's just, it's just the whole thing is just everything is just messed up. So, his whole case has nothing to do with him. It was about five different crackheads in the house. And, and, and that was the murder right there. It was the five people. And then I come to find out when I got to the courtroom, it wasn't just that one gun that um, was fired. It was three different guns fired off and somebody got shot. A girl got shot. It was, I, and I, we didn't know none of this until the trial. So all that is in there too. It, it's, it's just that the whole case is just bogus. You know, they just found somebody to put it on that he was, and then they just took it in and just left it like that. Know that he didn't have no money. He was, um, he was slow, you know, he didn't have no education, can't read or can't write. And, and they closed that case because when they close them cases, what they do is they get, they get, uh, promotions. So now she's down at the Wayne County. She's at the, she's at the, um, the pro she's working with the prosecutor and them. So now, so it's just crazy. Oh, uh, <laughs> This yeah. is the yeah. second, no, excuse me. This is the third case that I have heard this officer's name. Yes, yeah, Sergeant Kenny, Sergeant I. This is the third yes. time that I have heard this officer's name. Now, what I, what, what I understand, what I, I, in, my, in my brain, in my humanity brain, I don't understand. I don't understand how somebody mm -hmm. can be named mm -hmm. in multiple cases and they doing the investigating on wrongful convictions. 
Yes. Yep. Can somebody? I don't. You know, I'm. I know that I am not the smartest cookie out the bunch. Maybe somebody else can make sense of it for me because that right there. If somebody who violated and putting people in there, you think they're gonna let them out? Nope. So that's why it's going on three years oh. now. Like every time I called down and they was like, no, we still got so many other people. No, we still working on it. We haven't even got to this case. And I'm starting to think, I'm like, well, so now we started to think now she worked by her working there. It's starting to be some, you know, make us feel like, you know, that's why the case is not being noticed, you know, because she's worked there. Because it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be a whole breakout, you know, over this. So my question is, is why didn't they forward it to the state? The CIA. attorney general. Thank you. That was my next question. Yeah. If there's a, a a conflict of interest, the person that's working in the office that has that's being named, then it seems like somebody, Valerie Newman or somebody in that office, would just forward it to the CIU of the state. Yeah. Well. Well, Valerie Newman is the one that sent me the letter and told us no good, no news is good news. And we'll, you know, contact you. And like I said, it's been, it'll be three years in May. So. No news is good news. Yeah. And, and it said no news. No news is good news. At the, and we're talking about over 30 years, but yeah. 31 years. That's right. So where is the humanity? Because no news is agony. No news is pain. Right. No news is suffering. No news is good news. Yeah. In whose world? And I call down there and let them know. I'm like, my mom is 76 years old. She's still living. And she want to be able to see her son, you know, before she leave here. You know, it's been 30 years now. And no, I don't, I don't hear from them. And I started to call them today, but I didn't. Go ahead, Rabbitia. You muted, Rabbitia. Well, you're not muted. We just can't hear you. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Okay. So it's like they have the perpetrators still in position. This is it's the same, the same thing all over again. Even if you have, uh, for instance, slave catchers, and then they they become police. Mm -hmm. It's the same idea. And then I also wonder how much is this paper pushing or how much of it is ego? I know. Because, you know, and, and how can you sleep at night when, when you do this? But the thing is, is they expect most people not to say a word because people, oh. because poverty is criminalized. That's right. And because That's poverty right. is criminalized, then they expect people who have low income not to be able to do anything. Exactly. We got to correct that, you know, by coming together, putting a story out there, writing a story, making sure the voice is out and that, that, you know, they should be ridiculed. Yeah. 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 We I, should be embarrassed to walk anywhere in public. If y'all was to see case, if this say, if y'all would just go on there and read his case, his whole entire case has nothing to do with, I mean, it's just, it's just Andre Nelson did this murder, but after that, it has nothing to all the witness. It's, it's just terrible. 
They picked him up. Listen, the, the, the murder happened in September. They picked him up in October the 20th, October the 13th and said that he did this, you know, and that's how it was. It's really sad because um, we hear about this all the time. But then when we, you know, we give accolades to people because, you know, oh, they're doing a good job. They're exonerating people. But then when you have these people who you constantly hear their name repeatedly with a case, Mm -hmm. repeatedly with a case, uh, it seemed like, okay, this person, we might need to remove them or find them something else to do. Because how do you call yourself integrity when you have people working in there that's out of integrity? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Reverend Tia. <laughs> I was just getting ready to type in the comments, we got to redefine winning. That's not winning. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a threat to the community. That's not winning. They, they, they want a case. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, and and who won? Who mm-hmm. won? At whose expense did they win? Mm-hmm. And these are the these are the questions that we have to put before us. At whose expense did somebody win anything? And so it's not a win. Right. It's not a victory. We all right. lost. The community loses. Everybody loses. Everyone loses. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, you're saying that, Reverend Tia, and it just reminds me of when Gerard was, you know, when they found him guilty. They celebrated. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, how do you celebrate? You know, how is this a celebration? But the, the prosecutor and her friend was there and they were celebrating. And, you, and, know, you know, like they, like just, they just won, won the lottery, lottery or something. Or something. <laughs> and so... It it what is the point of the celebration? Is because it feeds the um their thing that they're doing. Okay, so we're gonna continue the cycle. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the cycle is more people going to prison for crimes they didn't do. Attorney Mac, I'm about to let you in right now. Go ahead. See, part of the problem is, and I'm gonna keep talking about this all the time, you know. Poverty is criminalized, and we have people that come into our community, uh, perhaps that mean well, a political party, perhaps that means well, but really a lot of times does not do well. Mm-hmm. Because anytime, like for example, you get camped out with unions, you know, supporting Democrats, okay? And I, I, I like that concept of the working man or woman having a collective voice for improvement as opposed to corporations. But we got to stop this BS about all unions are good and positive. They are not. I'm sorry. When it comes to being black and brown, police unions are not your friend. Okay? They are not your friend. I would encourage all of you to just do some Google research on the police unions in Boston, for example, in Boston, all right? And, 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 and New York in the Bronx. These people will circle the wagon around any officer that is accused of brutalizing somebody or killing somebody. They have fundraisers, they've got corporate support, 
They got a blue wall where these people simply will not turn on each other in the sense of standing up for righteousness. Yeah, yeah I, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. So what I'm saying is uh, this is what we have to, to constantly, you know, those of us that are politically active and stuff, to constantly challenge these people. Now, they had a debate a couple nights ago uh, for governor. Uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon. Now, I watched both of them debates. Now, you know, I never heard a doggone thing being said about anything specifically of relevance to black people. Now, the way they the way they try to get around that is the last debate, they had a black guy, uh, Chuck Stokes, I think his name is Chuck Stokes, and they had a woman, I don't know if she was Hispanic or, uh, or what, and some, some other guy there. But if you notice, nobody is really pointing out the fact the black people, the brown people, the poor people, including the whites, live under constant intimidation by the police. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And, and, and part of the problem is we refuse to stand up. And I say we, people in my community, refuse to stand up and call out the police because police have ways of retaliating. And you know, the black community is one of the most victimized communities in the nation, in the nation, okay? So police have a way of showing up slow when my house is broken into, you know, or somebody trying to, trying to harass me. So, you know, we have got to get to the point of still holding them accountable. We have a right to walk and chew gum at the same time. We are paying taxes at a higher rate than anybody else. We, we're on food islands. We, we breathe the poorest air. We drink the dirtiest waters. We go to the most efficient schools. We have the poorest health care. Black women die disproportionately, maybe six or seven times as much as white women in child labor. Look, don't get me started. So all I'm trying to say is, is that we've got to hold them accountable and we've got to demand the services that we deserve and stop being so damn afraid that somebody, because they got a sergeant or captain next to their name, that doesn't make them people God. They're not God. So, you know, help us, y'all, who's listening. Stand up and don't be afraid to get on jury duty, for God's sake, you know, you know, and let these people run you off. Because I need you on that jury. I need you as a voice of reason, you know. Yes, Attorney Mac, I had to mute you out. Yes, Attorney Mac, you're right. Uh, <laughs> you're right. We're, we're so this weekend we're talking about um, Operation Accountability, and it, we also have to take accountable, be accountable as well. So you know, when these things happen, we hear stories like this. We have to figure out how we can stand behind Yolanda and what we can do. You know, we can't just always count on somebody else to do it. We have to stand up for ourselves. Nobody is, you know, Trisha said it earlier. We say it all the time. Nobody's coming to save you, right? But if we don't hold these people accountable, like you said, attorney, I didn't watch, I did not watch the debate, but I also heard the same thing for somebody else um, that you said about them not having um, nothing for us, right? You know, the debate wasn't geared towards us. So, but that's on us too to hold them accountable. You know, that's on us too to say, hey, you know, you want our vote. You know, this is what we're looking for as well. 
you know, we can't just expect for them to come and read our minds. We have to stand up as well and say, these are the things we want. I know um, just this week, um, I'm getting texts all day long for people who want my vote. And I asked them, you know, the person who was texting me to vote for, you know, this person for state rep, what is she, uh, how does she feel about wrongful convictions and where she's at about, you know, and I sent the email, you texting me all day, three, four times a week. I'm going to ask you some questions as well, because you can't ask me for something, you know, and, and not get a demand. That's what we have to do. That is actually our duty to do. That's right. Go ahead, Reverend Tia. You know, all the while Attorney Mac was talking, I was, I just, sometimes you just don't know where to begin, but you know, you got to begin. Mm -hmm. And I watched that and it, to me, I described it as a cat fight, but they didn't say anything that I was most interested in. And that's what I, I had agreed and said to myself is that truly they have no interest in the things that affect our community. Right. And I was waiting. Are they going to bring us up? <laughs> Do you know the worst violence is to ignore people to where your voice is not heard? And so I, I really, um, I, I, I just described it. it. It was just a little cat fight going on and it had no relevance whatsoever. And I'm wondering, do they even know how irrelevant that they found it? And do they know that there are people who have wisdom and who can understand and hear and know that you're not talking about anything of relevance? And and I'm wondering, like, where, what, what are you planning to do for people, especially people who are underserved? Did they mention them at all? And yet they continue to make money mm -hmm. off of everybody who off off of all of these communities that are underserved. They make the most money. Yes. And and so um, I, I tell you, it is time for us not only to, I don't want to say fight, I want to say take back mm -hmm. everything that is ours, beginning with our community, listen to people who are going through and, and understand their voice. We have to do something and it, it has to begin with us because they're not going to do it, clearly. Clearly, they're not going to make a move. So we so have to do something. And I want to say, even when it comes to health care, when Attorney Mac mentioned that, and Trisha knows, we went into a hospital for Shawana. And I've never been this devastated with the type of care that they have in the community for African-American people. If you go to another hospital, you didn't see any signage that said, we want you to heal. We want to serve you. Give us your opinion on how we're doing. We welcome you at our hospital. Oh, no, 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 no. And you know what? The sad part is the people who greeted us were the same color as I was. Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm trying to try to keep Trisha sane right now. Yeah, because that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother show. Attorney <laughs> Matt mentioned it. But we got to think about it. These are the things affecting our community. And we got to be about it. Yes. Uh, I want to go back to one of the questions, Yolanda. Someone said, and I think it was Dion. He did say it. He said, does your brother have an alibi for that day? Yes. They they didn't even let nobody testify. I called him on the phone to let him know. It's just, it, you just if you look at his case, everything is in there. And it's just, it was just like he was just nobody. He was just like overlooked. Everything. They wouldn't let none of his people testify or none of that. But we got it down there that his 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 um his um his um the mother his child was at work and he was watching she was watching it her auntie stayed downstairs the baby was what nine months and she was like he don't have a car he don't have a car he went over there and killed he caught the bus over there killed this man caught the bus back with his daughter and and was there when she got home from work and it's just it's just crazy everything is in there. They will not take only testify they took was my mom. They let her um they let her um get on the um stand and just to say that, you know, that you know he was in the special, he was mildly retardation. You know, like I said, when I say he couldn't read or write, he didn't even know how to spell his mother's name when he got there. So it was just he was 22 years old, 23. And um it's just crazy. I if you just if you were just to go in his case and just look at it, you would be like, it just doesn't make sense. The whole thing doesn't make sense. And I can see if it had him in doing something or something, nothing. A clean record, never done nothing. Just terrible. So yeah, Dion said, were you guys able to hire a private investigator to investigate no. his case? No, 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 no I Dion that time at that time when that that's when the crack hit the black community so hard back in them days and my that's the entire family was on it it was just me and my little brother was the only ones and it was just us and it had destroyed everyone in my family so no it was just me and i had four kids <laughs> so see and that's the other thing the criminalization of crack um, right. users so, you know, we hear about the opioid crisis and they have a special court, and, you know, special treatment and they have special programs. But during the crack era, everybody it was gone, was gone, they yeah. was gone or, and or they was in jail. And so that's, you know, who was that mostly affected? You know, when we talk about that, <laughs> our people, you know, our people. Right. So, but this is, we, you know, you guys, I just want you guys to know that this is only part one of her story. We're going to come back and we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the story after the summit. But this is why we, we're doing a summit, you know, because we want to empower people to tell their stories. We want to bring people together. We want to, you know, we're trying to organize. Sam says it all the time, you know, when we organize, we win. And that is what we must do we have to figure out and how to come together and so i like what trisha is doing and how she planned it out this year where you know after we have the the initial talk 
we get together and have a conversation because you know what you might think is right or what I might think is right. Somebody else might have a really great idea to push these, um, this conversation and this need for change forward, you know, and it's going to take us, all of us to make change happen. It's, it's not just one person. We are going to have to get together. So we won't have any more Andres and, you know, any more Gerards and any more Jasons and Andrews, you know, going to prison for things they didn't do. And, and, and guess what? When people are know that they're being held accountable, they change. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to work for the big three. And when we did something wrong, they're like, you all know this, right? We were put on notice, you know, and if you did that again, or, you know, if you had to, your supervisor had to come to you to talk about that again, you out of here. And so we have to make some changes because some of these people need to be out of here. Like you cannot work in the system anymore. You cannot be in the criminal. If you're sending people to prison wrongfully, how can you still be in the system? You know, we can't keep saying, well, it was a mistake and, you know, it's bad apples and blah, blah, blah. These are all, you know, excuses. People have to go. Okay, Attorney Mac, um, go ahead. Jello? Yeah, okay. Um, I'm starting to feel like one of Sam Riddle's victims, you know. You out of here, Attorney Mac, you out of here. We cutting your mic. So, <laughs> but, but I know we're still not in love. Just like with Sam Riddle, it's over. So, 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 so what, what I want to say is, is this, J Love. See, and and part of the problem is the people that are being put in the system on the front end. And I'm telling you now that if the system worked the way it's supposed to work on paper, we would still have this discussion but it would not be as voluminous because when we go around the world and and we boast about being the greatest nation in the world in some aspects we are, particularly about our criminal justice system, particularly about it's better to let 10 guilty men go free than to convict one innocent man. And when we talk about proof beyond a reasonable doubt, all of that goes out the window when you have an electorate, when you have a citizenship that one doesn't care to show up for jury duty, particularly people in our community. And when you have a citizenship and electorate who get on the jury and have a very selfish Americanism about themselves. In other words, I'm sitting in this jury box because I have a right to be here. I'm an upstanding citizen. I do my job. I obey the law. This person, by virtue of the fact that they're sitting at that defendant's table, automatically puts them in a lower status than me. Automatically. Because I am now their judge. Now think about this. Think about this. You can have a person that maybe has never been to school, and that's fine. That's fine. 
you know, making minimum wage, that's fine, that's fine. But when you empower them in that jury box, I'm telling you, I don't know how many of you have ever sat on a jury, but you have to fight really hard to keep your humanity once you get on that jury. You really, really do. Because if you notice, every courtroom in America, the prosecutor's table is closest to the jury box. Just think about that for a minute. Think about that. Think about that. That is not a coincidence. That is not a coincidence. The prosecutor gets to speak to the jury first, and the prosecutor gets to speak to, to the jury last. And most people tend to remember the thing the most that they heard the last. You understand what I'm saying? So we have got that mojo that is working against us. And once again, I'm a harp on these local elections, particularly these judges, <laughs> particularly these judges, okay? When these people are allowed to get into office and stay in office without being challenged because it costs so damn much money to run a campaign, you know, it, it, it's so expensive and you have somebody who's willing to stand up and fight, maybe somebody you don't know, but we never fail with choice. I mean, you don't have a choice with just one person. You don't have a choice, you know? So what I'm saying is, is that like Trisha and Tia and, and the sister here and Jay Love, all y'all are exactly right. We have to keep pushing that envelope and that argument and give somebody who you don't know run for office a chance, please. At least give them a fair platform, please. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Nothing to lose. And in these debates, when these judges, now I've seen some of the debates that the, uh, or uh, what you call the, uh, the Dispute Resolution Center, okay, had with, with like some of the people running, running for judge. Okay, that's nice. I mean, that's nice. Anybody can get up there and say, I'm for equality. Uh, I'm for diversion. I mean, excuse me, a diversion and diversity. But what's your track record, you know? And not only what's your track record, but when you get in that seat, even if we have to do it in shifts, we got to start jury watching. We got to start court watching to see where these judges are coming from and not be afraid to call these people out, you know? So, uh, uh, Trisha, I'm so excited about the summit. I'm so excited because we're going to give voice to this and come on and work together with it. And believe me, you may not know it, Trisha, but they looking. They looking and they concerned. Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. I'll tell you, I'll what. Tell you what. These people. I just seen a brother say we're asking the, the, the folks that's vic victimizing us <laughs> to stop victimizing us, right? Um, they're not going to stop just willingly. They're not going to stop because we've had a nice fluffy meeting with them. They're not going to stop because we, 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 we took the time to nurture and build relationships. Mm -hmm. They're not going to stop because we're, we're being strategic. We've done all of those things. We've been strategic. We've built relationships. We've asked them to stop. We've had meetings. We've had forums. We've had advocacy days. We've done this. We've done that. We've done all this stuff. 
and we're still right here. Now, again, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, right? However, I got sense enough to know that if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. Now, let me offer a caveat. Because, see, you never hear us, even though know, there are sometimes some sidebar conversations. But for the most part, we don't be like, oh, they're doing this and they need to stop doing it. No, we ain't saying none of that. You do what you do. We do what we do. Everybody work in their areas and we tear this thing down by any means necessary, any which way that we can do it, right? Because I'm telling you right now, those fluffy ways that y'all thinking about, it ain't working. They still killing us. They still killing us. They still killing us. So obviously we got to go back to the drawing board. And the only way that I can think of to do that is together. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, Trisha, um, I'm looking at what Beulah is saying right here. Um, very profitable, um, Beulah. Um, Attorney Mac had to leave us. Um, very profitable. Like last week, we were talking about, you know, um, Teresa Dunlap. And as we was looking at, up everything, I was blew away about how much they pay these companies to provide services for the Michigan Department of Corrections. $590 million contracts for healthcare and people are being chained to the bed and mold growing in their port. $500 million. And, and these are these are our dollars. These are not, you know, we're paying these bills, right? And so when we don't say nothing or do nothing or have or nothing, no, no, nothing, we continue to pay. Mm -hmm. We continue to pay. Go ahead, Rabbitia. Yeah, you know, we keep paying and not asking the questions. Nothing is being done. We pay them to do a job that they can't do mm -hmm. and they still get paid. We're paying for, for easier ways for them to police people because they're not policing correctly. Uh -huh. Is there correct policing? You know, and Beulah had said it exactly right. I mean, the key that we have to know is that you will hear many people say, well, it's just a business. And somebody told me that one day. They said, well, it's just a business. And I'm thinking, you tell me it's just a business. I hear it's just slavery. Mm -hmm. See, to mm -hmm. somebody else, it's just a business. I'm hearing you getting free money. That's what I'm hearing. And, and we don't ask, we don't, we don't listen to what they're saying. For, for some people, it is a business. Because when you look at all the different companies who are benefiting, there's only I was I was talking to uh, another leader within the community yesterday. When you look at all of the 
the companies that are at the core of all of the United States is only a few that are doing what they said America's not supposed to do, and that's being a monopoly. But yet, just a few companies own everything at the core of just about everything in that company. Right. Because we have not let go of slavery. We have not let go of colonization. Mm -hmm. We have not... We, we, we're so used to it. And some of our own people are so entrenched in it that they don't even see that they are slaves too. Mm. You got to ask yourself, do I have a colonized mind? Do I just believe any narrative that is told to me? So when someone says my, my brother is wrongfully incarcerated, are, are you the one who says, well, what did he do? Exactly. That right there. That right there. Well, some people in prison, you know, a lot of people, they killed people. And I had just posted not long ago, 77% of the cases that come through criminal courts are misdemeanors. You wouldn't know it. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't even know it. Mm -hmm. We got to wake up. We have to study. We need to we need to study just to, to show ourselves approved, not only the word, but study so you know what's going on in the world. Right. So that you know who you are. Exactly. The people parents due to the lack of knowledge. I have to laugh when people quote that scripture and they think it just means the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and when they and when all, if all you studying is the Bible. I'm gonna need you to go back to the drawing board as well. Because uh, in that same Bible, it's saying obey the laws of the land. Mm -hmm. How you gonna know the laws of the land if you ain't studying them? Right. That's what I'm just saying. You yeah. know, it there there are things that's they fought, but it's things that we have control over. Mm -hmm. And 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 I don't and I am not at all saying it in an accusatory manner, uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 coming up against our people because at the end of the day we've been rocked to sleep. That was on purpose. Mm -hmm. That was on purpose. All I'm saying mm -hmm. is that whatever the reason is, we have mm -hmm. got to reignite ourselves to the core of our soul and wake up. Mm -hmm. Who's that, Spike Lee? Wake up! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We gotta wake up. We've been asleep far too long. Yes. Those that look like us, see, the only reason why the, the, that, that, that debate that happened, the only reason why they could have a debate like that and not mention black folks is because the black folks that surround them ain't saying nothing. Mm. They ain't telling them nothing. <laughs> so you got a bunch of folks that look like us that really are actually dead weight. Mm -hmm. See, let me tell you something. I don't want nobody around me if they're not going to tell me the truth. Now, I don't care about your truth because sometimes your truth be a lie. But I'm talking about the actual truth. I don't want nobody around me that won't feel comfortable to tell me the truth. And somebody should have pulled Gretchen, big, what they call her, Big Gretch. Because <laughs> the other lady might not have said nothing. But mm -hmm. somebody should have told Big Gretch, right? That she needs to, but see, here's the thing. You can't tell somebody that don't give a damn already mm -hmm. to act like they give a damn. Mm -hmm. You cannot. But we've got to wake up. Tia said, take back. What does that look like? Getting out of your seat of do nothing. 
we got two forms of power. Money is one. Mm -hmm. I don't have that one. But the next one is our vote. Yeah. Now your vote by itself don't mean diddly squat. But my vote, your vote, Jay's vote, Tia vote, Yolanda's vote, all of our votes collectively together, we can tear down some walls of injustice. That's how we hold people. I told, I, as a matter of fact, I told a legislator that he was around here dogging me out, talking about me behind my back. I said, I'm going to get my lick back in vote booth. <laughs> and guess what? He lost. <laughs> I got my lick back. You can talk all you want. I talked all the way to the voting booth, and now you up out of there. Now you can go talk about something else. We've got power. Yeah, we do. We've got to stand together and use it. It only works if it's collective. Mm -hmm. One don't mean nothing. No, I can't. No, I'm lying. Because one can chase a thousand, baby. Don't sleep. <laughs> one can chase a thousand. So I don't want to say one can't get nothing done, because that's a lot. But the next part of that scripture says two can chase. 10,000. Mm -hmm. so you see those ratios? One, a thousand, two, 10,000, meaning you can do more when you're doing it together. together. So let's stand together. All roads leading to what? Jacob. Yes. Here I come. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> All roads leading to 4,800. That is 4,800 East here on River Drive, Ann Arbor, Michigan, 48105. That is at Washtenaw Community College in their Morris Lawrence building. We are going to be there from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Again, we're going to have some different panels, but the most important part of this is hearing your voice, hearing from you. So we need you there. We need you at the table. We need your voice to stand strong because we've got work to do and we got to do it together. So we hope that on Saturday that you will come and stand with us. We are taking registrations. It is not necessary, per se, to register, even though when you come in, we're going to have you register anyway. Um, <laughs> but it is not necessary to register. Uh, but we are asking folks to register on Eventbrite just so we can get a count for food. Um, but we will have a light lunch there, some snacks. Um, I had to laugh because um, someone, the, the phone number is out, you know, so people are calling me because it's on been on the radio. And this lady, she said, yeah, because... I came to that last one. They ain't had no snacks at the last one. Well, mama, we're going to have some snacks. <laughs> uh, is it on Zoom? Great question. I, you know what? We're going to find a way to put this thing on Zoom because I done got this question so many. We are live streaming from the Survivor Speak page um, on Facebook. However, I do know that there's a lot of folks that might not have access to Facebook. Um, so unfortunately, those folks will have to wait until after the summit because we will be putting it out. Um, the recording will be on our website. It will be on YouTube. It will be on different social uh, media sites. Um, but unfortunately, no Zoom for this time unless I can figure that out. <laughs> yeah. But but it'll be live on Facebook though, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll be live on Facebook on the Survivor. So they should, yeah, they'll be able to then, mark know, that notification. Go on to uh, Survivor Speak and and uh, mark the um, right. And I'll be sharing it on my page, and I'm sure Reverend Tia will be sharing it on her page, so you guys will be able to see it. Uh, uh, will there be? Someone said another question. Will there be a restroom facility available? Yes. Yep. It's inside. Um, so it's full facilities on the inside. We have restrooms. Um, 
we have an open atrium area where you will be able to see um, different family tables, some different organizations, and then you can come on in. We'll have an open room. We'll have 32 tables of eight. And uh, we're thinking about, do you know how the, the dating, uh, what do they call speed dating goes? Mm -hmm. You know, so after everyone, we're thinking about just seeing if people want to switch, you know, for those that don't have mobility issues, if they want to switch and go to another table just so that we can get folks mingling with different folks, I think that would be good. Uh, but the most important part, again, is us talking, us talking, us coming together and networking. So. Yeah, so... Thank you, Trisha. Thank you, Yolanda. You will be back when, yeah. we, when we're going to do the full yeah. show, a full conversation about um, Andre Nelson. We're going to keep talking about him. Uh, we're going to keep um, his names in our his name in our mouth to let people know. Yeah. Murray, uh, you are not alone, and uh, I'm. You know, I know you can't be at the. Um, no, I'm going. I'm going to be there. Oh, yay! <laughs> My mom, my mom and my daughters and my um, brother going to come. Awesome. I can't wait to see you in person. So, yeah. So we're going to be doing a part two to this story, to Andre's story. So you guys, you know, stay tuned to that. And um, next week we'll be back on Friday. <laughs> so um, thank you all for joining us on Turning a Moment into a Movement. And we'll see you again. All right, thank you guys.